Welcome to Alternative Christian Voices. I'm a typical snowflake. I'm here with Simon Layton. Today we're talking about mental illness. Until fairly recently, I've been pretty quiet about my mental illness. I guess partly because uh, I didn't want to be seen as mentally ill, but also partly because I, um, I didn't have the language to articulate what I was feeling. And the truth is I've been, I've been fucked in the head for as long as I can remember, but about a year ago, I started talking about it openly. I did a big swear then, didn't I, Simon? You did. I didn't mean to. I'll tell you what, I'll edit that out later. I promised. Oh, I is, promised. Is that not allowed? No, no, it is. And I, I used to swear quite openly, but a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, I started using this for like, um, just during the lockdown, I started sending it to people for like, in place of like small groups. Yeah. So I started trying not to swear as much. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, so uh, today uh, we're going to talk about it with two uh, ordained ministers. So Simon, welcome to the show. Say Hi, something. To be here. Nodding doesn't yeah. work on a podcast, man. Uh, Simon it's does a shame, a lot of, isn't it? Simon does a lot of videos. I think this is going to be an ongoing problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simon, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, so so they know yeah. who they're being talked at by. So uh, I'm Simon. I'm married to Joanna, got two little children who were small and wonderful, but keep me up in the night. Um, as Sam said, I'm a priest in Bristol Diocese uh, in my curacy, uh, also a third order Franciscan. Um, I can give a little bit of spiel as why I'm here for this topic, if you like, a bit of my kind of mental health story, if now's the right time. Yeah, sure. No, there's a good time as any, mate. I don't know what I'm yeah. doing. We just, just make it up. <laughs> well, me too. Me too. It's all good. Um, so depression has been part of my life probably since my early teens, I'd say, although I wouldn't know, I didn't know what it was back then. But ever since sort of time I started secondary school, feeling down, feeling miserable, really struggling with things was just kind of normal. And that probably peaked in my mid-teens, 15, 16, uh, where I was quite significantly depressed. I hated myself. I was self-harming to try and deal with my uh, own pain and struggles. And I was having quite a lot of suicidal thoughts and my life just sucked and I just hated everything. Um, I don't think I really had the language of mental health then. I just knew that I wasn't happy. Um, and then I had a bit of a crazy experience at age 18 um, with God. And I suddenly realized he was actually real and that actually counted for something. Uh, previously, I thought, oh, you know, I believe in God, but it was just an intellectual belief. It made no difference to my life whatsoever. As far as I saw it, I was completely alone in my struggles and he wanted nothing to do with me until I sorted myself out. And in this experience, I realized that God actually cared about my junk and was interested in being involved. So I had this crazy sort of life-changing experience, but then I lied to myself for several years and told myself, that's all gone. I'll never be depressed ever again. I'll never have any of these struggles ever again. I'm all sorted. I'm great. That, now. Always, Let's get that, on always, that always works. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. And for years I lived in denial. And every time I had a period of being down, I was like, oh, it's just, it's just like an anomaly. It's just a blip. It's just completely random. And this happened again and again and again and again. And I just thought, oh no, it's just random. It's just a blip. It's just, I don't know. Maybe if I pray more, it'll be fine. Or if I do more of this, I'll be fine. And for several years, I was in denial that this was just part of my life. Um, until fortunately, I was at um, theological college. I had a friend who had bipolar. And uh, he was a bit more clued up about mental health and began to kind of gently let me alert, Simon, you've got issues here. Let me try and help you make some practical changes in your life to try and care for yourself better. Um, he gave me my first daylight bulb. Um, you know, he suggested some sort of supplements that might help. He just helped me to begin to acknowledge I need to care for myself and learn how to manage this rather than spend my whole life pretending it's not the case. Um, so that's kind of been part of the journey ever since is learning how to live with a depressive temperament 
how to manage that and cope with that better. Um, anxiety is also being something that's come in and out. I had a bit of a meltdown again at, at Theological College in my second year. This was my first time at Theological College. I've, I'm a lucky kind of person that's done two stints, five whole years. It's uh, far too many. But anyway, that's an aside. Um, it was I, in my second I barely, year. Like, I barely coped with my, with my one stint, man. I don't know how you could do two. It's, <laughs> and that implies that the first one was voluntary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I didn't know what I was signing up for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, in my, yeah, my second year, I had a complete meltdown where I was just so anxious I couldn't really cope. I was just completely overwhelmed. I had to go see a GP, get signed off, get extensions, all that kind of stuff. Go do some CBT. So, uh, you know, my, my journey really is learning how to manage these things, how to become more healthy holistically. Um, I've been, you know, to counseling several times, CBT, tried all sorts of things. And it's just been a journey of learning to cope better and recognize that this is part of my story. And I can't just pretend that it's gone or that it will just disappear one day. And how can I learn to live with this as well as I can um, and help others do the same, hopefully. There's um, something that a friend of mine says, I think I probably mentioned enough times um, for, for people that listen to this uh, podcast that, that, that I have anxiety and I have body dysmorphia. So um, um, I'm scared of everything and I think I'm fat, um, which is massively simplifying, quite a complicated thing. But, you know, things are funnier when you play them down. Um, Something my friend says quite a lot is that he talks about the, the, the gift of depression. I've sort of seen that as um, part of anxiety as well, like the gift of, the gift of mental illness in, in that, okay, it's never going to go away. I'm, I'm, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be not an anxious person because, like you said, it's a, it's a temperament. It's, not a, it's, it's part of my personality, really, for whatever reason. It's part of my personality. But um, um I can learn to live with it. And actually even at times it can be to my advantage. Certainly I think, I think it's anxiety that has made me um, a good pastor. I don't think I'm a naturally empathetic person. I don't think I'm a naturally gentle person. Um, but that sort of mental illness is that sort of suffering has made me more aware of others. I've gone off with my um, plan already that didn't take long did it <laughs> <laughs> i had this problem when i talked to um i talked to my mate lee about class and because i was talking about something i um was personally invested in <laughs> i kept going off the topic so a uh, big question right off the bat from what you've seen and experienced from your personal experience as someone who's had uh mental illness what uh how have churches and and the church at large but how have individual churches uh you've been in dealt with mental illness how have they been with it how have the Christian environments, because probably college comes in here too. Yeah, yeah. Um, huge range of experiences. Generally less good. I think things may be different now. If I was a teenager now, I'd like to think things would be better. Um, but I think there are a few different approaches I came up against a few times. Sometimes it was, well, you know, if you're a good Christian, you should be happy and joyful and fine and sorted. Do not fear. You know, God is this, that, and the other, and therefore your depression, your anxiety is a sign of a weak faith or a lack of faith <laughs> right. or, the, or you're the amount of times, um The amount of times someone has said to me uh, some, something along the lines of, don't you know one of the most commonly said things in the Bible is do not yeah. be afraid. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. know that actually because I've read the Bible because I'm a priest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, telling someone with anxiety, do not be afraid, is not massively helpful. It doesn't, it doesn't help anything. It doesn't achieve anything. So sometimes there's that approach of, well, you just need to like believe more or have a stronger faith and you'll be absolutely fine. Just, you know, if you, if you just prayed more and read your Bible more and I don't know, memorize this Bible verse, you'd be fine. And it's just so simplistic and it just racks up the guilt. 
you're like, I'm already feeling like I'm a terrible person. And now you're telling me I'm an even worse person than I thought I was. <laughs> so that approach is really unhelpful. Um, doesn't help. If someone's depressed, if someone's anxious, if someone's struggling, I think the number one thing we want is someone to be with us and say, look, I'm here with you. You know, let's, let's talk about this. Let, you know, I don't want someone to come and try and fix me because that, that's really unhelpful. Um, someone being present to my pain and my struggle is more valuable than them having some kind of quick fix answer that I've tried and doesn't work. I think what, what I, what I would say is this is, you know, in my experience, it's a very two-sided thing because churches have been really awful at times. Um, yeah, like you said, sort of telling if you just pray more, you're just implying that, implying that it's, um, uh, down to a, a lack of faith. But, but I should also point out that, um, the majority of that like support and, and, and the majority of the concern and listening I've received has been from church as well. So it's kind of, it goes both ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. not all bad. It's not all bad. No, There's a couple but of, it can, uh... but it can be. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like pray, pray more and you'll get better. And it's not mental illness. My wife has a, um, uh, Rachel has a, a genetic condition. So, um, she's, um, uh, I don't want to say the word disabled. Um, because I don't like it, but um, you know, Rachel, uh, Rachel has, has some physical issues, and someone once said to her uh, when she was really bad, when she was when she was really ill years ago, that um, that, that uh, Christians only get illness because because um, of a lack of faith. If they if they pray enough, God will heal anything. That's a really damaging thing to yeah. say to someone who's ill. But that really yeah. affected her for years. That, she intellectually, she sort of went. This is just a crazy Pentecostal. Um, yeah. But emotionally, that stayed with her for years. And, and yeah, much the same, like, for, for, for me with mental yeah. illness, impl implying, that, implying that fear is a, or anxiety is out of a lack of faith is um, very unhelpful. Yeah. But I think there's a, that's another pattern I've seen that um, I don't want to, you know, tar all the same brush. That's more of a tendency in the charismatic tradition. I'm not trying to rubbish that tradition as a whole. But a tendency I've seen more there is the triumphalistic, or, you know, this is a demon, we're going to pray out of ye. Or you just need to live in more victory. It's, it's more of a, yeah, that kind of triumphalistic, we shouldn't suffer, we shouldn't be ill, we shouldn't have struggles because Jesus has defeated everything and Jesus has won. So if you just believe that and live out that, do your, you know, exercising prayer, you'll be fine. And again, there's, there's, a, there's a grain of truth in all these things, but it can be taken to a place where it becomes damaging rather than helpful. Um, I, and so I I've experienced that as well, sadly. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe... Yeah, maybe there's some truth, but but the idea that the idea that the idea that Christians won't suffer, frankly, I just mm. think is totally unbiblical. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, among, among other things, um, among other things, our entire faith is founded on someone was executed. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, like there's so many. Well, one of my favourite verses in the Bible is, is one that um, uh, is a bit of a cliche, but um, it just Jesus wept. Jesus mm. and, and, and the story is from when he goes to see his friend who's died. So he saw his friend and he cried because he because he lost someone because um, pain and suffering is, is a part of the human experience. And therefore, it's part of the Christian yeah. experience as well. Uh, you don't get out of it if you pray hard enough. It doesn't exactly. work like that. I'd love it if it did. Yeah. Very often I find this with um. You're right. It does. It is more often in the sort of charismatic end, but it's not exclusive to it. Um very often I find it with that kind of, with that kind of triumphalistic, almost prosperity gospel people. I really want you to be right. 
you're just not. <laughs> yes, yes, it'd be great if it was true. It'd be terrific. Well, that's I, not I, my I badly, experience. Want, I badly want it to be the case that if I prayed, all my problems go away. <laughs> yeah, and I tried living that for several years. You know, I had this experience with God. I must be sorted. I must be fixed. I must be healed. Jesus has done it all. You know, plead the blood, whatever. And it that wasn't my reality. Something changed fundamentally for sure, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I think, like you say, there's there's such a thread throughout the biblical narrative of pain and suffering being part of how God works with us. Paul's thorn in his th- uh, flesh. You know, that's almost a, a painful, necessary thing. You've got Job and his crazy experience and depressed Elijah. And like you say, Jesus wept. And so I think I've, the more positive experience I've had, um, more of a Christian approach, has come more from the contemplative tradition. Oh, if I can say it, contemplative tradition. And things like the idea of the dark night of the soul and Henry Nouwen's sort of wounded healer that our woundedness, that our brokenness, that our pain can actually be the place where God meets us and can actually be the place where God does his most profound work and that embracing my limitations, my brokenness, my woundedness can actually allow me to be um, experience more of God's grace and allow more of it to flow through me because I'm not trying to be something I've not, I'm not. And our limitations, I think, bring us closer to God. If we were perfect and sorted and had no issues, we'd have far less need for God. Um, I think that's what I see in Paul's thorn in his flesh is this, I need God so much because I'm, I'm broken. I have to remember that I need him. Um, and having some kind of a limp, as it were, to use the metaphor, can be a, an aid. I think especially as a priest, when we're meant to be you know, sorted and leading people and have it all together and know everything, which of course none of that is true at all, having some kind of limp, I think, can be a humbling reminder to us of actually I'm, I'm not all that. I'm another broken person. Um... I've written about this a few times. Perhaps I should do a podcast about it. Um, I, 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 that is definitely an idea that people have this idea that as, as clergy, as church leaders, we should be, that we're okay, that we're, that we don't have this kind of problem. Um, um, so I've, I've had a range of reactions to, to me talking openly about mental illness. Um, some of them have been, well, the majority have been fantastic. The majority of people have, have, um, clearly found it helpful and, and appreciate it. But, um, I have had sort of reactions like, like I'm kind of almost like I'm like I'm failing or, or even from other clergy that people that I respect, not, not, you know, not idiots, people I actually get on with, um, have said things to me like, um, you know, you, you need to be seen as strong because you're, you're the pillar of the community. I, well, for a start, um, I don't think that's the model of leadership that Christ models. I think, I think Jesus models, uh, broken leadership, Jesus models, um, leading leading in reality leading from brokenness not from as evidenced by as i've already said evidenced by the fact that jesus won by losing jesus yeah uh, jesus jesus's cognitive action was to die um jesus didn't lead jesus wasn't a strong leader jesus was a weak leader and i think i think we're called to be weak leaders um Mm. so i find that very unhelpful what was i saying got distracted Never mind. <laughs> it probably yeah. wasn't that important. It's a church, um, church for the most part, though. I must, um, you know, for the most part, there are some notable exceptions, but church for the most part is pretty good um, with big things. So they're pretty good with like, if I've had like a total meltdown, if I just need, to, if I just need a, a, you know, a couple of days, just need to be left alone for a bit. They're, they're pretty good with that. You know, when I'm really not well, they're pretty good with that. Um. But I would say, actually, it's, it's the littler things uh, of, of day-to-day life, of living with, with anxiety for me, um, the littler things that people don't get. Like, for example, um, the other day, just before the lockdown, if it, just in case I've got any 
lockdown keyboard warriors. <laughs> um, stay home. Stay home. Save the NHS. Hashtag stay home. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, so um, so the, the, the other day, two really small um, and embarrassing things happened really close together. I um I sort of already knew that day that I, I wasn't going to have a good day. I sort of already knew I wasn't uh, doing that well because I struggled a bit to get out of the house. Like I struggled a bit to, to sort of motivate myself to get out of the house. And then in the gym, a woman who I see quite a lot, who I'm fairly friendly with, uh, who uh, I wouldn't say I train with her, uh, I, I, who I train in the vicinity of. I don't like training partners, largely for the things we're talking about now. Mm. <laughs> um, um, uh, we reached for the same bar at the same time. Not you know, not a big deal, not a big thing. It was one of the um, the big powerlifting bars, you know, the, the Olympic bars, um, as if everybody listening is a powerlifter, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> gym people do that, don't we? I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, so there's only two of them in, in the whole gym. Um, so to a normal person, not a big deal. And then about an hour later, I was in the supermarket and I wasn't really paying attention because I was playing through that in my head. And I bumped into a person, just a little bump. Everybody was fine. So obviously, I ran away. I went, uh, I went straight to the till. I didn't get anything else, any of the other stuff I needed. I, um, I went straight to the till. I put it through the self-checkout as fast as I could. I had my head down so I didn't have to like make eye contact with anyone because I all assumed they just saw me viciously slam into this person. <laughs> um, and then I drove home as fast as I could, slightly illegally, as fast as I could, and I hid in my house with the curtains closed. And it's funny, really, and it, and it, it's not a big deal. I was all right in an hour. I, I did some work. I went out with some friends. Well, to be totally honest, the first thing I did is uh, write the story down because I've been a preacher for uh, a long time now, and I, I know an illustration when I see one. <laughs> um, but people don't always people don't always get that. People don't always get the um the the littler stuff um you know if i have a full-on meltdown they're fine you know if i if i'm really not coping at all they're they're, they're pretty considerate but um if i just need an hour if i just need a space for an hour, if i just had a bad bit, i'm having a bad day i just need a bit of space i'll be fine in a bit they don't really get it and all i really need is is a bit of patience a bit of kindness um a bit of generosity just to be uh, a bit understanding and not not hold that against me just let me have that that space for a bit um so to shoehorn a question into that long self-indulgent monologue <laughs> <laughs> um to shoehorn a question into that monologue what, what what do you think churches and christians in general can do to help someone to help support someone with mental illness yeah yes so um what's a better approach than the ones we've sadly experienced right very um, harder deliverance yeah. ministry called the spook yeah Sorry, spook is a dro- spook is a derogative term clergy sometimes use the dice and deliverance minister um <laughs> i don't know i don't know why or where i got it from my 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 boss is the dice and deliverance minister and she's brilliant so i don't really know why i said that <laughs> <laughs> yes well i've had people talking about them as ghostbusters but um... ghostbusters in my college in my college they said spook yeah fair enough must be a college thing um so yeah what can we do better i think the key thing is knowing our limits in the sense that i think we have to tackle well everything really in life holistically that we are embodied mental physical emotional relational beings 
and these things are intertwined. And so you can't just put stick a spiritual fix on to everything. Um, you need a more uh, holistic, multifaceted approach, I think. And as part of that, I think I've seen situations where Christians, really well-meaning, lovely people, have gone beyond their abilities to help. That There are times where professional help is needed, where you need to see a GP, a counsellor, do some CBT, get some medication, whatever it may be, be signed off work. And all those things are okay. And I think partly it's reducing the stigma around those things. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to need to take some time off. It's okay to need to get some professional help. Um, that those things are good and that God works through those things. And so it's one of my life goals is to really normalize counseling say counseling is good there's nothing there's no shame in going to counseling i've been on they three four times and it's made me a, a better more whole person i'm so grateful for that time um and it's something i'll continue to go to i'm sure for the rest of my life every time something crops up i need to work through but um of course god is involved and of course prayer is good and all that jazz but we need all the different angles um and that extra help encouraging people to go get that extra help is important there's, um, a real, there's a real temptation um, for Christians. Uh, temptation is perhaps the wrong word. Tendency is maybe a better one. And clergy are the absolute worst for this um, to confuse ourselves with counselors. So yes, exactly. confuse kind of like pastoral care with, with counseling. I, I'm, um, I'm a pastor. I'm not a counselor. I, 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 I have, I have some basic like training that we all have, but um, to be able to recognize that, yes, I'm here for you, that yes, I'll, I'll listen to you. We'll talk. Um, but actually, I'm not a medical professional. Go and see one. Yeah. Um, you know, go see your doctor. Um, get professional help if you need it. Yeah, yeah. We as clergy are one person, a whole collection of people that are needed. I think for that for mental health related issues that you can, you know, have a priest that you go speak to. Have a spiritual director. That stuff's amazing. I'm not trying to say that that's not important. It is. It is also, kind of your job. So you. You're out of well, a job yeah. if you convince yeah, well, people that's that. not. <laughs> but also, you know, have a, you know, go to counselling, CBT, whatever. It's it's having a, a holistic, well-rounded approach, and that was the thing that really has been part of my journey is learning how the simple things like diet and exercise and sleep and sunlight, vitamin D, getting outside, all these little things add up to quite a big chunk of my overall well-being. Um, and if I'm praying lots, but I'm eating rubbish and I'm not sleeping, then I'm still probably going to feel pretty rubbish. And it's um, recognizing that we need a multi-pronged approach, I think, that looking after our physical health, our spiritual health and our emotional health, our mental health all affect each other. They all have knock-on effects. And so I think there's the risk of compartmentalizing it. And I think in those negative approaches, it's when mental health must be a spiritual issue. You're, you're depressed because of a spiritual issue. You're anxious because of a spiritual issue. Well, maybe that's possible, but it may just be that your brain chemistry is out of whack and you would benefit from antidepressants. It may be you've lost a loved one and you're grieving and you're mourning and you need some, um, you know, some counseling to work through that. It may be your life is crazy and it's quite understandable that you're anxious. And it's, I think it's recognizing there is a, our, our, our emotions aren't flat. Our lives aren't flat. It's quite normal to have down periods, anxious periods, stressful periods, um, and there's an element of acknowledging that rhythm in our lives and not freaking out if we're having an off few days, but also knowing, um, I think, yeah, what I'm trying to say is seeing ourselves as holistic embodied beings that need to be cared for on all levels and not neglecting those different areas. Um, but I think I'm getting off topic a little bit. What we talk about the church's response. Oh, that's right. We always do that. Um, I think I, I kind of like it. Yeah. 
talking about the stigma, I think, I think we're getting there. Society, the stigma about mental health is definitely lessening with mental health first aiders appearing in workplaces and people are talking about it more freely. People, well-known public figures are talking about it. It's becoming more normal. Um, we're getting there with that. And I think the church is often, it's the case, is a little bit behind. But I think we're trying to travel in that direction. I think Justin Welby's been quite good at talking about his own mental health and saying that he struggles at times. And I think it's that normalization of it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle with your mental health. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a lesser Christian. It doesn't make you weak. I think that's what that is kind of the, that is kind of the idea that, um, that people, I don't think people consciously think it, if that makes sense. I don't think people realize they think that, but on some level, subconsciously, that's the kind of, that's the subconscious of the church or of most churches. Um, or most Christians. It can be, but, oh, you've got mental health issues. Oh, dear. Oh, oh okay. Oh, dear. oh, you're one of those kind of people. We don't know how to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like my, that's my catcher. I just get that on a shirt. One of those types. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a shame because, the, you know, the stats show that huge numbers of people struggle with this stuff. And, of course, there's different levels. You know, there's depression that's being talked about as the common cold of the mind. Um, but then you've got more complicated mental health issues, you know, like paranoid schizophrenia or personality disorder and other things that are far more complicated that not everyone will probably experience firsthand. Um, and again, that's recognizing what level of help is appropriate and where we need professionals to come in and do their thing. And yeah, again, knowing our limits. Um, but I think for me, I do believe that we're spiritual beings as well. And there is a spiritual dimension to our existence. And of course that has a knock on to everything. So something I've been thinking about is how do we encourage integrate spiritual practice that can engage better with mental health issues and can be in some way healing, comforting um, to someone that's anxious, someone that's down. And that's largely been an experiment on myself of what works for me. Getting out of that rut of I must pray and read the Bible like this, or I'm a bad Christian to how can the way I pray and read the Bible actually be soothing and calming and grounding to me and help me and actually engage with my um, emotions and mental well-being? And so again, for me, the contemplative tradition has been so, so helpful in finding practices that can allow me to stop and just be and slow myself down. And the simple act of breathing, um, I was at, a, I can't remember what it was now, some kind of inter-network families help support networking event and I went to a little session on helping children with anxiety and so much of it was helping children to stop to slow to breathe to focus on their breath um, and for me that's a central part of my prayer practice is coming back to my breath and stopping and slowing down and that really helps me to just calm everything down in my head to find a calmer center um, and so I think what I'm trying to say in all this is it's finding prayer practices for people that they can cope with and manage in their varying levels of mental wellness and that are actually going to be helpful rather than unhelpful because if you're anxious and someone's putting all these demands on you you must do this this and this that's probably not going to make you less anxious whereas if we can help people to find a way to find god in their anxiety to find god in their depression to find god in the craziness of their life and invite him into that knowing that they're loved and accepted in their struggles um, I think that's far healthier because if there is a stigma that you're a bad Christian, if you're struggling with these things, then it's really hard to pray. You think, well, this is what I have for years. God doesn't like me. God's really angry at me. The fact that I've thought this, done this makes me a terrible person. And he's just pretty pissed off rather than 
coming to a wounded Jesus, a wounded God that sees my pain and loves me in it and wants to be with me in it. Um, that's been a game changer of, oh, okay, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling anxious. The first thing I can do now is go to God, knowing that there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, there's no him being like, oh, I can't believe you've done that again. I can't believe you're stressed and anxious and down again. Come on, Simon, this is getting ridiculous. There's none of that. It's just a come and be with me. And so trying to find prayer practices that encourage that, of come and be with me, it's okay to bring all your, your mess and your pain. Um, has been really helpful and really healing and so uh yeah centering prayer in particular is a key part of my spiritual practice and focusing on being and just being aware of myself being aware of god and sitting in that place um rather than trying to do because i think the temptation for me has been to strive to do to fix yeah if i work, do something to I can fix myself it. exactly um, if, if i, I can keep work busy, hard i won't feel anxious exactly or, or yeah but it I've doesn't work. Hiding it. Yeah. So, um, that, I mean, that's a lot what, what's helped me. And it's that, you know, ever since the Reformation in theory, it's, you know, grace not works. You're saved by grace. You don't have to do anything. But it's very easy to end up back in the works camp because we kind of feel more comfortable there. Because true, unconditional, unmerited grace from God is just a bit too good for us as human beings to process. Like, it can't be that good. God's love can't be that good that he just, you know, offers it freely to me without anything that I don't have to do anything. And so we very easily put conditions on it ourselves, I think, um, of all kinds, which gets in the way. Um, yeah. And I think also there's a, a form of Christianity that I've spent time in that's primary focus on to be a Christian is to believe the right things. If you believe X, Y, and Z, you're a Christian. If you don't, then you're not. And I've just become increasingly disillusioned with that form of Christianity. That's about believing the right things. And then often, often when we about doing the right things, playing by the right social codes, if you don't do this, you know, don't swear, don't drink, don't have sex. And you're a good Christian, um, which is so boring. I, I get, yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. Um, also, 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 um, dumb, but, but because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the, the idea, the idea that, well, this is the inherent, the inherent assumption and see, this is where this is where I think that I think people often associate that kind of attitude to uh, charismatic churches. And I, I come from Anglo-Catholic church, but um, and I've been in evangelical churches, and I've been through most now. And um, I can honestly say I've encountered some version of that every everywhere. Um, mm. the, idea, the the inherent assumption in that is that I'm capable of having the right answers, which I would yeah. say is 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 not the story of christianity the story of christianity is we're not capable of getting it right on our own we need yeah. help um yes and yes if you so think i think that then surely surely the i surely you must you must assume that 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 um i could get things wrong one of my one of my favorite authors is a guy called brian mclaren he um yeah one of the things he says in almost all of his books is um um is um i'm sure I, i'm sure I, i'm sure a lot of the things i think are wrong i'm just not sure which ones they are Yes, exactly. Yes. And I think a healthier emphasis, um, which I think is an ancient emphasis that goes right back to sort of Benedict and the Desert Fathers and others, you know, in like the fourth, fifth century. Always is better being, read than me. <laughs> is that being, being a Christian is less about what you do, but how you do everything. It's the kind of person and presence you are in the world. So rather than I'm a Christian because I believe this and I believe this and I do this and I do this, it's 
because I'm a Christian, I live in this way. I treat people in this way. I value these things. And I try to be this kind of person in the world that loves others, that cares for others, that seeks to be a, a healing, positive person in the world. And that can look like any number of different things. Um, and I think it's about becoming a certain kind of person than ticking off the boxes of, of what we believe and what we do. And again, for me, that's been a healing, helpful thing in terms of recognizing my own limitations of, oh, okay, this is what I live with. This is what my mental health is like, but how in the uniqueness of my person and all that comes with it, can I still seek to be um, the kind of person that Jesus models? Even if I can't tick the certain boxes that other people are saying I should tick, I can still be this kind of presence in the world as me with my limitations, if that makes sense. And so it's trying to grow in, in love and compassion and, uh, and self-giving in a way that fits with who I am rather than trying to fit the standards of, I don't know, whoever it is. Maybe sometimes it's our own heads, I think. Um, but I think there's, I don't know, it's something I've been exploring for a while because my first stint at theological college caused me to nearly lose my faith and deconstruct everything I thought I knew. I've been trying to reconstruct ever since a healthier Christianity that I think breeds more, more through a more holistic well-being and health. Because I think sadly some forms of Christianity make people quite unwell in all different ways emotionally or mentally and i think that's a shame and i think jesus comes you know for life in all its fullness to to bring uh, puts on a trajectory a journey of ongoing healing and and wholeness and maturing that isn't to say oh you know quick fix anxiety gone depression gone you know disability jesus. gone but you know but magic let's hands. go on a, yeah, i've got yeah. magic hands i'm an ordained priest i've got magic hands so. <laughs> and, and 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 i've tried and it doesn't work no it's like let's go on a journey with jesus where bit by bit we learn more about who we are more who he is and begin to reconcile with the parts of ourselves that we struggle with begin to find a little bit more peace begin to bit by bit become a bit more whole i think and that that's a lifetime's work i don't expect to get there in this life but i feel year by year i'm getting a little bit closer i'm a little bit less anxious i'm a little bit better at noting when i'm getting down and tackling it with the things i know help and over time, I feel I'm becoming more mentally healthy. I'm not, you know, 100% perfect, but I'm getting there bit by bit, a little bit more, um, slowly, very slowly. And I've setbacks all the time, but I feel that's the invitation of Jesus is to walk one day at a time, ever so slowly towards greater wholeness with him. Um, knowing that the brokenness isn't going to disappear overnight or like we said, there's also a blessing of that brokenness. Um, so I think I'd like to think that as the years go on, our greater awareness of mental health and related psychological disciplines of how we actually function as human beings can filter into our Christianity, our discipleship and our preaching and can allow us to um, invest in people that produces more holistic well-being and health, that produces more flourishing and life in all its fullness. But um, yeah, again, I'm not a lot of the, my experience of church hasn't really tackled that stuff it's just been the believe the right stuff do the right stuff it hasn't engaged with the rest of my personhood with my emotions my relationships my mental health etc and i want to see a holistic christianity that values all of that and addresses all of that um that we can become more like jesus i suppose um, so so I, um 
Sorry. I went off on one a bit. Well, there. It's all right. It's fine. I, I, <laughs> I invited you to. <laughs> it's normally me that goes off on one. And then I realize I've gone off on one um, and have to try and pull it back. It's much easier to pull someone else back. <laughs> so I started, um, I, I, ha, having just said, um, you know, having just said that it's, it's uh, not about, not about doctrine, not about necessarily what we believe, believe in the right things. And, and I totally agree. Um, um, let's do doctrine. Why, why, um, why do, I was going to say, why do we get mental illness? But actually I, I want to go bigger than that. Um, yeah. Why did God make me like this? Yeah. Why am I like, why am I like this, Simon? That's a big give question. The, give me the answer. Oh, I can't, I can't offer you an answer. <laughs> I can offer you some random musings and thoughts of my oh, own. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> um, uh, again, I think it's, uh, and the holistic approach of, I think there's lots of factors. And I think definitely for me in my own experience, there's an element of temperament that because I'm fairly sensitive, because I think deeply and feel deeply, the flip side of that is I'm prone to getting down. I'm prone to getting overwhelmed. I'm prone to being really hit by things. But if you took away um, that depressive temperament, I would lose some of the sensitivity and some of the empathy that there's an element that these two things are two sides of the same coin. And, and that's, that, he... that's that gift thing again, isn't it? Where I, I don't, um, I don't believe, and this is a very fine line. I don't believe that God causes illness. I don't, I don't think yeah. God gave me or gave me anxiety. I don't think God made me ill. Mm. What I do think, because you know, some people say that well, maybe, maybe God made this happen so that this good could come out of it. Well, my issue with that is that it implies that, it implies that God, well, it doesn't imply, it says that God caused in the first place. I don't think God does that. But what I do think is that God uses, I don't think God caused my illness, but I think God uses it. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and certainly it's been a, certainly speaking openly about it, it's been a massive gift to me as a, as a, as a priest, and as a pastor. Mm. And I hope to a lot of people um, that I've supported and, and worked with. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think it's that tendency again. It's, yeah, it's not God causing it, but part of being me, I've got more of a. I'm struggling to know what the right word is because I don't want to use the word weakness. More of a propensity, I don't know. More of a tendency, um, and that's the thing. It's le learning to. First, the first journey was to accept that, embrace that. Okay, this is part of me. How can I love that part of myself and integrate it better and care for myself in that way? Um, so I think there's an element of temperament for some of us that it's part of our our makeup that there's gonna be that tendency that we have to acknowledge embrace and care for um i think there's definitely a cultural element i think our world well our, our world is kind of programmed to make us anxious with social media and advertising it's constantly trying to say you're not happy you're not good enough you're not okay you need more in your life everyone else's life is so much better than yours um anxiety well these things are on the up, on the up massively the stats are telling us that young people today are far more anxious and depressed and they don't go out teenage pregnancy and drug use and all that is dropping because they're all at home on their computers getting miserable no, which is fun. tragically no, sad. The... <laughs> yeah all my, all, all my best drug use was when i was a teenager yeah but um so they're not doing that anymore because uh they're on their phones instead um living a very different life and so i think there's a we have to recognize that elements of our culture do negatively impact our mental health and if we spend all day on Facebook looking at other people's lives, we probably will feel less good about our own life. Um, if we're exposed to lots of adverts that say, you know, your body's not good enough, your car's not good enough, you, I don't know, you haven't got the right stuff, your house isn't good enough, you're not wearing the fancy clothes, it's going to make us feel crap. Like, that's just the reality. And so I think for me, learning to 
uh, limit my exposure to certain things like advertising, social media, stuff that I know is going to negatively impact me. And it's going to be different for all of us of what things really affect me in that way and how can I limit them, avoid them or cut them out completely if appropriate. Because I do think we live in a culture that does breed anxiety and low self-esteem, sadly, uh, because there's money to be made off the back of it. I think that's the, maybe that's sounds cynical, but I think people are making money off other people's anxiety and depression. Um, they're using it to sell people stuff. That's the harsh truth, in my opinion. Um, so I think we have to be aware of that and do what we can to unbalance that, that healthy culture to um, counteract it. There's definitely money in it. I mean, I spend, um, I don't know, between gym membership and um, protein products and supplements, I, I reckon I must spend a fortune on. And and, and um, one thing, like I said, as someone who spends a lot of time in the gym, every time you see every time you see someone that spends a lot of time in the gym, every time you see like a big, you know, a big muscular guy, a really toned person, like um, they do not have a good body image. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Go, I don't, I don't go to the gym. I don't, I don't, I don't lift weights a lot because I've got a good body image. It's the exact opposite thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because we're showing all these perfect people and films, TV magazines with their, you know, glistening tan six pack abs and slim waistlines or whatever. And the kind of what they're trying to say is you don't look like that, do you? You're not good enough. <laughs> you look awful. You, you suck. Exactly. <laughs> and there's money to be made. And I think that's the reality. And it's um, making intentional decisions of maybe reading these magazines or watching these TV shows or using this is making me miserable and cutting that stuff out. Um, because I think this is when capitalism goes to this really hyper, really horrible extreme where people are abused, manipulated purely for profit. It's profit at any cost. And I think so many people's health and well-being is being really, really damaged by that because the only goal is profit and there's no conscience. But that's a side issue. Let's not go into economics right now. <laughs> we'll do economics um, another day. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, um, um, I, don't, I don't have much to say about economics. <laughs> oh, no, no, me neither. But um, if, that would need nuancing. I'm not, I'm not someone that's like, <laughs> capitalism is evil and the devil. Well, do um, I, I, you know, I, I am a bit like that, but I'm, not, um, I'm just not... That, I just... Um, it's a very uneducated opinion I have. I just, um, I just, I suspect, I suspect that valuing money more than valuing people is probably bad. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we can agree on that. Back to the point. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. That's and there's that factor as well. Um, I think another factor that I've had to work through, particularly, I got ill last year. I was off with fatigue. For a number of months, I could only work a couple hours a day for a few weeks, three months, and I had to do a staggered return. And that forced me to address all kinds of crap in my life, in my upbringing, and everything. Um, and I think it's it's also acknowledging the other factors in our lives that contribute to our mental health. Some of the the baggage we might have from our schooling, our upbringing, our parents, our churches. I think I've really had to go back and realize how much those early formative experiences shaped my idea of myself, who I am what makes me good, what makes me bad, where my value is. And a lot of that has been really bad stuff. If you've got a subconscious script in your head telling you you're a bad person, God hates you, people are judging you all the time, you're not going to be a very well person. Um, I look back and see some of the things I heard as a child. I think, no wonder I got to the point where I hated myself and was doing what I was doing because I was told certain things that created that story and I didn't even realize I inhabited it. Um, and so I think it's painful work, but to begin to recognize what are the story, what's the story I'm telling myself in my head of who I am and where my value lies, who does God think I am, who do other people think I am, and beginning to unlearn that story, for me, is, it's an ongoing process again, it's a lifelong journey, but that's been really healing, and then replacing it with a different story, 
because that's one of my favorite ways to think of the gospel it's it's a counter narrative it's a different story that tells us who we really are it tells us who god really is and what the world is really like and it's learning to live into a different narrative that's constantly affirming you're good you're loved you're accepted you're precious you don't have to do anything to be good and accepted you just are because god loved you and made you you know you're a unique gift to the world with something to share with other people and trying to constantly reground myself in that story rather than a story that says your worth is purely dependent on what you do. If you're not helping other people, you've got no worth. You know, it's not okay to have opinions. It's not okay to put yourself forward. All kinds of crap in my head. And I think we all have them to various degrees. And examining that stuff and beginning bit by bit, slowly to unlearn those stories, for me, has been really helpful of learning to believe a better story about myself, beginning to improve my self-image bit by bit of, okay, God does love me. God does think I'm good. And even if other people don't, he still does. Um, so I think that's, that's been really helpful to me. Is It's not been easy. It's been really painful to unearth some of that stuff. But long term, well, me, well, I'm not in the long term yet. In the short to medium term, it's producing some really positive changes in me. And when I've dealt with some of that stuff, um, I've seen a notable impact on how um, depression comes in and out of my life. That it's, it's alleviated it to a point because so much of it was coming from this place of self-hatred. Uh, because I hated myself and thought I was crap, I was feeling down very regularly, um, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If that's the story you're telling yourself constantly, that you're rubbish, um, it's hard to, it's hard to forget I mean, about uh, yourself uh, and have uh, a good uh, life. Uh, I say this to church quite a lot. But, um, uh, eventually, what you say becomes true. Um, so if you, yeah. so I say it to church in the context of if you, if you keep telling yourself you're just a struggling little church in a council estate, that's all you'll ever be. Um, yeah. If you keep telling yourself... If you keep telling yourself you're worthless, then eventually you're going to come to believe that. But if yeah. you if you hear if you hear the the message of God, the message of um, our faith that 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 God loves you, that 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 God values you, that actually doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or the details. She just values you. You just you're you're, you're created by God. You're precious and you're brilliant. Um, that, that there's something an inherent goodness in a human being, inherent yeah. value in a human being. Yeah, make that your narrative. Exactly. But exactly. I can I can preach that. I have done a thousand yes. times. But um, there's, there's a joke. Living it's harder. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a joke that gets told a lot, especially by me. Um, if you want to know if you want to know what a preacher struggles with, listen to their sermons. Yes, um, it's yeah. Uh, pretty much every sermon I've ever preached is some variation of that. Yeah, preaching to ourselves. <laughs> but I've heard I've um, heard it said. I'm not a psychology person, a psychologist. That um, in I've in got, the brain and neuroscience. I've got a degree in theology. I don't know anything. <laughs> but I'm told by others who hopefully are better <laughs> that in neuroscience that positive thoughts um, are like Teflon and negative thoughts are like Velcro. Negative thoughts stick and stay in our head. Whereas positive thoughts, unless we grab hold of them, they just kind of slide away. That so we have to proactively choose to grab positive thoughts, gratitude and, and dwell on it. Whereas negative thoughts don't need any help to just stick around in our heads. So again, it's that kind of... Um, practices mental practices of choosing to dwell on the good choosing to dwell on the the counter narrative of the gospel because otherwise all the negative stuff will just happily just bombard and stick all the time um and so again this I, this shouldn't become a works thing of oh i'm a bad person because i dwell on the negative thought it's about encouraging positive practices that can enable flourishing and health and well-being because i think at the end of the day i do believe that the gospel that jesus should lead us into better mental health not as a magic pill, quick fix, not as in a, a, you know, here you go, boom. But over time, as we walk with him, our mental health bit by bit should become 
a bit better um, through walking with him, through accepting his grace, through changing the narratives, through practicing certain things. But again, not as a workspace thing of I must achieve better mental health, but as a gift of God's grace um, working through us. I think that's a, um, we've gone over my, my planned time and I think that's a very good place to stop. Um, um, so, uh, Simon, thank you for coming on. Uh, I, said, I, love said, I said, I said, plan time as if I have any, I try not to I set a little timer and when it gets to 40 minutes, I think I ought to start wrapping up now. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> fair. We're on about 50. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you've got me on my hobby horses. That's probably what it is. I did it on purpose, mate. I did it on purpose. Um, you let me ride them around a bit. Basically what I do, what I do is I, um, I ask people to talk about the hobby horses. Um, and I use that to make me look like I'd know more than I do. <laughs> Cause if I, my name is attached to things I don't know shit about. Or just swear again. <laughs> you have to edit that bit out. That's not, that wasn't a real one. Shit's not oh, a you real can just, swear. Can you just put like a beep on it? Uh, can you do that? I've no idea. <laughs> Uh, I've, never just... used, I've never used this program before. I got distracted again. So thank you for coming on. It was great to yeah. have you. Um, <laughs> it's been great to be on. I just, I I I just want to uh, wrap up by saying you what, we, what we've said already, if you're still listening. Um, if, if, you, uh, if you struggle with mental health, if, you, um, if someone who you care about struggles with mental health, talk about it. Go talk to church, talk to your priest, talk to your, your pastor, whatever you, know, you call your church leader, talk to your friends. It's really, really important. Um, it is not something you should be embarrassed about or ashamed of. It's, um, you know, if, if you had a broken leg, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be embarrassed to talk about it. If you, if you've got depression, talk about it. So thank you for listening. Um, I'll be back next week in theory. <laughs> We're on Apple podcasts, find us on Facebook, on SoundCloud, on uh, Twitter, um, Instagram. I can't really work it yet, but it does exist. Um, like and follow, you know, the drill. <laughs>